Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. I am Chris, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Ben, and we are here to talk football. Episode 2 on our podcast adventure. As I'm staring across the table at Ben, I cannot help but notice he's grinning ear to ear. I believe that is because one of his tank predictions came very, very true. So before you, you know... Get stuck in that smile permanently. I'll, uh, I'll pass it over to you, Ben. Well, I'll try to tame tame my excitement because it's not that I want the guy to fail, but I did call it. You did call it, yeah. So my tanks, and uh, I I did coach one of them a little bit. So I think on Matt Burita, I was kind of on on par with because I did say he would give double digits. Uh, Odell kind of screwed me because I thought he would tank and didn't at all. Uh, productive day, but Jared Goff. Oof. That was who brutal. called? Who called that, that one? Was that brutal. was brutal. That yeah. was terrible. I thought I thought he'd struggle against that defense, but they absolutely shut him down on every level. So, so I think why I, I said he was going to get shut down is because I saw what he did. They did against Baker Mayfield. Now I know Baker's not the upper echelon of quarterbacks, but can we dispel the rumor that? Jared Goff is 10 times better than Baker Mayfield? Uh, 10 times better? No, absolutely not. He may have a couple of years extra in the league, but he's not too far off from Baker. And and Baker does have weapons. And I will give that Jared doesn't have one of his key weapons in, in Todd Gurley, but he had everything else. He had Cooper Cup. He had Robert Woods. He had Brandon Cooks. I just think... Everything was in line for him to be successful, but I, like I said, that defensive line shut him down. Yeah. A small country doesn't have the weapons that Jared Goff has in that offense, so he has no excuse why just having one of them gone is not. It's not an excuse as to why he, he got shut down yeah. because the Niners shut him down. Yes, they absolutely dominated him on every level. Todd Gurley is a tremendous player. He has not really factored into the offense at all this year. No, I know he's had some. Statistically, some good fantasy games, points-wise. But we're talking yardage-wise as far as actually being there, being productive for his team. He has not been a Todd Gurley of the last few seasons. Right. Malcolm Brown, everybody thought he was going to come out and have a Todd Gurley game. Right. He didn't. didn't. And Daryl Henderson came in, and, and he got some run, but he fumbled too. Yeah. Well, you could debate who the fault is. Um, it could have been Jared Goff's or Daryl Henderson's fault. You know, you could debate that. But... Regardless, no running back had production for the Rams. And quite frankly, if I'm any teams, I don't take the Rams running game too seriously because if Gurley's in the game, you know he's only going to get 10, 10 touches at best. Yeah, honestly, yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's a 10, 12-touch guy now. And Brown, I would make, maybe be more serious about him in the red zone, but outside of the red zone, no. No, I'm good. I, if you give, you give up a 10, 15-yard run on him, okay. I'm going to shut down Cooper Cup. I'm going to shut down Robert Woods. That's what I'm going to do. Well, keep in mind, what we're talking about against the 49ers. Yeah. There's plenty of teams in the NFL that the Rams are still going to steamroll right over. And if so, the matchup favors the Rams, I would call it that right. way. If they're facing the Dolphins or the Oh, Redskins. no, totally, yeah. I, I'm, I'm just saying, like, you're not, you're not making a blanket statement as to the Rams are garbage and they're going to get shut down because right. of that. Not with, not yet, and not with the class of the garbage at the bottom. There is, but in his division, outside of the Arizona Cardinals, I would think the you know, Niners and the Seahawks can shut him down. And there's tons of teams 
in the NFC that, that could shut him down. But the garbage at the bottom that they will face because everyone faces garbage. Don't dispel the rumor that everyone, you know, this team has a harder, harder schedule than this other team. They will face garbage. He will put up yards against them. But he is going to show you the next year, year and a half, that he is a product of Sean McVay being the puppet master and telling him when he can where to throw the ball. As for my banks, I went three for three on that. I mean, Deshaun Watson, not really that hard because Kansas City's defense is what it is. Uh, Miles Sanders, I liked the pick just because I knew he was going to get the touches. No Darren Sproles. He, he got the touches out of the backfield, and that's where he got his points. And DK Metcalf did okay. Not great, but he did uh, an, R, an RW2 or flex play is it what he produced. Yeah, keep in mind, like you said last episode, you're not saying that just because they're in your bank that they're going to be you know world beaters. No. They can be against their projected totals what you think they'll score. Right. And Sanders wasn't, wasn't slated to score – very much. He was not projected very high, and no. he definitely went over. No, over ESPN sure. had him at a 10.6, and he scored at 18.2. Standard scoring, it can vary up and down depending on how you how your league classifies it. But average, a good flex play, maybe RB2, that would give you good production. How would you do, Chris? I did pretty good. Not, not as good as you. I didn't have any outlandish uh, Jared, Jared Goff claims that somehow came true. I uh, what you know, I banked down Lamar Jackson against the Bengals. I did say he would have some sort of crazy stat, and I think 150 plus rushing yards for a quarterback is is pretty crazy. That's a crazy stat, yeah. Uh, Chris Carson just kept doing what he's been doing. Uh, I was wrong on Hopkins. I was not. Uh, he had an okay game. Oh, he had a good game. He didn't kill you, but he didn't but have that. He was not what you drafted him to be. He hasn't been that, with the exception of Week One. But I'd stick with him. It's DeAndre Hopkins. Any, you, moment, any moment he could bust out and go on a, a, a league-winning tear. Yeah. So if you mean, bank on Hopkins, you're, that's an RW1 bank. That's a, that's a top-of-the-echelon receiver rank bank. Not, you know, when I bank on DK Metcalf, I'm suggesting a good RW, WR2 or a flex play. Yeah. Uh, you know, Hopkins, if Hopkins gives you 10, 15 points, I mean, you're really expecting a little bit more out of him. As far as my tanks went, uh, Dak Prescott, well, I mean, he he got some a decent number of passing yards, but yeah. no touchdowns. Yeah. He did run for one, but he was not what his team needed him to be. He was not the $40 million man. He thinks he is, yep. and that team went from 3-0 and to – a 500 team. Real quick. In a, seemingly in the blink of an eye. And so they, and, we'll, we'll, and, we'll see where they go from there. And the really only injury they had was Amari Cooper halfway through this halfway through this game or third quarter. They've, they've just been getting demoralized, though. Yeah. that's They've just been getting beat. I mean, there, there's, there's, no, there's really no rhyme or reason for it. I mean, they have they got Michael Gallup back. They had Amari Cooper. They had their tight end. Right. They had their line. Have their running back. They have, they have a very serviceable backup running back. They yeah. have their guy who wants to be the highest paid quarterback in the league at he the helm. Yeah, and they didn't show up until garbage time when they almost, you know, that sort of came back, but not really. They don't even have any losses on defense. It's just 
They're what what they're what they are a front running team. They get out 14, 17, nothing, 17, 3. They're going to put it on the other team because they're going to be able to run yeah. their game plan on offense and they're going to be able to attack on defense. If they don't get out in front, they're going to turtle. No. Speaking of running, or lack thereof, that brings up my tank player for yep. running back, which would be Derrick Henry at the Broncos. Derrick Henry did exactly what I thought Derrick Henry would do against a good defensive front, and that's absolutely nothing. Uh, my tank wide receiver, eh, Alshon Jeffrey had a pretty decent game. Yeah. Respectable. So I wouldn't say he tanked, uh, but, you know, I, I'd, I'd say I went four for six. Yeah, that's not bad. So it wasn't quite your, your what, your five for six, five but for uh, six, I'll, yeah. I'll get you next week. So I mean, you can coach. You can co- I coached Mark Burrito. Um, he got 10.7, or he got 10.3, he was projected to 10.7. So you can argue that one way or the other. But I did coach it and saying he was going to get value, but he wasn't going to get that value he's had before because, to my point, Kyle Juszczyk is out for four to six weeks. Where's the fullback? Right. And unfortunately, if your offense predicates on having a fullback lead your running back, then you're going to not have success in the running game if you don't have your fullback. And to be honest, they weren't exactly facing the most running back-friendly defensive line in the world either. No. So... Well, from our actual bank tank to a soon-to-be return of a guy who a lot of people would have put on their bank list early in the season, Mr. Cam Newton. Ooh, Cam. Cam Cam's returning to practice this week. Now, they're on by, so uh, there's opportunity for him to get back in the rhythm of the offense. I just don't see it. You mean the offense that already has Kyle Allen. their quarterback of the future? Yes. Already in place? Yeah. He is 4-0. He has 901 passing yards. He's got seven touchdowns and zero interceptions. Yes. Cam had an 0-2 record, 572 yards passing, and a 0-1 to touchdown to interception ratio. If I'm the head coach... When the time comes, I'm telling Cam, you're on the bench. You can't put him back in. I mean, you, you, you can't. You're four and two right now. You're you're only behind the Saints, and if the Saints slip up against anybody, and you can gain ground, you can take that division. And NFC is 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 tight right now. We'll see how it checks out uh, later in the season, but you have to. You have to put the team first. If you yes. want to win, then right now Kyle Allen is the option. Their next three games after the bye are the 49ers, the Titans, and the Packers. Now, with Kyle Allen, I think you can go 2-1. and one. It all depends on how you, fa- how, you, how you go against the Packers. Yes. Because I think you can beat the Titans because they're just offensively, they're disjointed and they don't know which quarterback's going to start. 49ers are going to be tough. Tough pill, but they do have the bye week to help prep for the the 49ers. Well, they have one other thing that'll help them beat the 49ers. Who's that? Christian McCaffrey. <sighs> Christian McCaffrey is a beast. He is, and I mean, the thing is, they don't know if coming out of the backfield as a running back, as a receiver, he's the kind of guy, if you're going to beat a team like the 49ers, yeah. the kind of guy you, you need. You know, uh, uh, you say the same thing for like a Saquon Barkley with the Giants. Right. You could say, oh, the Giants aren't as good a team as the 49ers. No, they're not. On paper, matched up position for position. But 
when you have that kind of dynamic player on offense, I know, I, know, I do realize he's not back yet. I'm just right. saying, if this were to happen, those kind of players, a McCaffrey, a Barkley, are the kind that could. So, I don't think if they go in there with a healthy defense, them beating San Fran is the craziest thing in the world. No, even if it's at San Francisco, it's it's they can still go in and beat if they keep their their offense. They, they'll expand it a little bit with Kyle Allen here and there, but they'll keep it contained. They'll use Christian McCaffrey. They'll use all their offensive weapons, DJ Moore, Greg Olson, and they'll they'll be able to get some progress on offense against a tough 49ers defense. And then it'll all be on what can that Panthers defense do against Jimmy G. They didn't do oh, – whole lot against the Rams this past weekend either. No. So, as I pointed out with Barita, the rest of the offense didn't do a whole lot. So you have to think. Like, luckily, they you know if they if they have Kittle going in that game, they're good. Uh, but if they don't, if his if his injury lingers and it's more causes more pain than he can stand, then you might not see. Kittle in that game, and now it's tipping towards the Panthers in that game. I, I, I just think regardless, you can't – Cam Newton has had too many injuries to effectively play the style he wants to play. We've talked about this before, obviously not on the podcast. Right. But he does not – he can't be the player he sees himself being anymore with his injuries. He doesn't move like he used to. He can't – doesn't have the accuracy he used to have because a lot of – his game was predicated on throwing on the run. Right. Or running the ball. Running the ball in general. He just cannot do those things the way he used to. But in his head, he still can. He tries. Right. And I have all the respect in the world for the fact that the guy's not giving up and he wants to keep trying and this and that. But, like you said, the Panthers have to do what's best for the team. Right. And from their point of view, Kyle Allen is young. He's a solid pocket passer. They have good young receivers. They have a top two running back in the league. It's, it's, it's McCaffrey and Saquon, I think. Yes. And they just they have to do what's best for the team. What's best for the team is not putting Cam Newton in there just to feed his ego. And I'm not saying that's what he wants. I'm not trying to paint Cam Newton in an ugly light or anything. Right. But you have to keep Kyle on it. If say for look at it this way, right? If they put Cam back in and they say, Hey thanks Kyle Allen, you did an awesome job for us, you did exactly what Cam Newton couldn't do. Right. Cam Newton goes out and goes 0 2, gets himself hurt again. Kyle Allen comes back. It sounds crazy because, oh, they're, they're football players. They're big and they're tough. They're, you can mess with a young player's psyche. Right. He's having success. If if, if he, he comes back and he loses that first game back, he's going to go, oh, maybe that's why they benched me. And then from that point on, kid's not the same. And you and let's say you're, for your scenario, they go 0-2. Now they've lost, it two, lost two, two games. And even though the next three games are not – Divisional opponents, two of them are conference opponents, and that could factor in later in the season. Let's say we go to a wild card situation and they don't get in because they lost to the 49ers, which is possible because Seahawks are pretty good, the 49ers are pretty good. So you have to do what's best for the team, and possibly that could be if you show a team that Cam Newton is healthy. And I'm not saying playing him. I'm saying if he practices and he's not on the injury list, maybe you trade Cam Newton. 
it's very possible. It will be interesting to see when they see these two guys on the field side by side. Well, from players who are coming back to the field to a player who will not be on the field this Monday night, Ben? Well, in all reality, he hasn't been on the field all that much anyway. Which is kind of the reason, ironically, why he won't be on the field at all on Monday. Right. So Michael Bennett got suspended today for a whole week because conduct detrimental to the team. Kind of had some words with his D-line coach, and Belichick decided he's going to be suspended. Uh, he did apologize for it um, to his teammates. I don't know if he apologized to the coaches. That's not reported, but it may have happened. He has seen his snaps decrease to the point where previous week it was 17 snaps. This past week, 14 snap majority of them were in the second half. And what were the Patriots doing in the second half? Had a huge lead on the Giants. So he's playing in garbage time. And he is sixth highest paid Patriot on the team. Or that's just defense. I'm not quite sure. But he is. He got a lot of guaranteed money. He got a pay increase when he came to New England from the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, I, I just, I'm having a hard time understanding. And, and uh, you know... Ben and I don't make any bones about it. We are Patriots fans. Right. But I don't understand why you trade for this guy if you're not going to use him. It's not like he's too old. It's not like he isn't talented. It's not like he can't get it done. It's not like too much pass rush is a bad thing. Right. That's John Gruden. So this is what I think. I think because they were able to curtail Martellus Bennett, his, his brother, uh, a few years back, Martellus played tight end, and he partnered with Gronk to lead them to a Super Bowl. He had an all-pro Hall of Fame tight end in front of him. So if he didn't play that much, he can look at the guy and say, yeah, that, that, I can just see why he's playing. And he missed some games, so Martellus got some run. Michael Bennett, who's in front of him? It's Lawrence Guy, Cedric Wise. Uh, you got Chase Vinovich getting some, some run on the uh, D-line. It's just not Adam Butler. I mean, we like him. We like the, the, the players they have up the front. Sure, yeah. They two-gap, and that's what, that's what Bill plays. He plays two-gap system where their D-line. Bill who, for everyone listening who isn't a Patriots fan. Right. Um, they like to two-gap so they can plug two different – Gaps in the O line. Michael Bennett likes to rush the passer. That goes against two gapping. So I just think he's not fitting into the scheme that they thought they could fit him into. And the thing is, too, if you, if you watch any Patriots game, you'll notice how often they change out components on defense. They don't keep the same set in there very often. Right. So you, if you're Michael Bennett and you're you're kind of playing a one dimensional game, you have to wait for the perfect situation to arise and then have that formation in the game at the same time. Right. So it's kind of like you're waiting for a whole bunch of things to line up just to get a snap, and you can end up sitting on the bench for the next 15. Isn't it about the game plan? I understand what you mean with, by that, but it, it's almost reminiscent. I know it's offense, not defense, but right. when Chad Ochocinco came to the Patriots, still with a lot of football left to play and a lot of talent, and he could not – he couldn't do anything but run a straight line. He couldn't grasp the playbook. He couldn't grasp uh, the formations. 
he he admitted that. That's not anybody right. making fun of him. He that's exactly what he said. He yeah. just struggled. He could not get it. And it's just funny to me how all those guys you named with the Dietrich Weiss and the Lawrence guys, and if you said anybody said there was names to anybody who's not a Patriots fan, they might go, huh? who? Who? Yeah. And they say Michael Bennett. A lot of people would understand that. Right. But it's funny that it's not always the most talented players as far as name value and what they've done that make the best overall team players, if that makes any kind of sense. Those other guys fit into the scheme better. And I think what Belichick saw was he saw Michael Bennett on the trading block from Philadelphia Eagles. What did he get, fourth, fifth-round pick they traded him for? And he's like, okay, Michael Bennett is a stud. He still has game. ton of game. I just think dude, he's going to get traded. I hope not. I hope he, not. He's going to get traded. He's going to. I think you're right, but I hope not because he's so talented. and His snaps have gone down. Yeah. I just hate seeing that. I hate seeing any part of that defense being shipped away. Yeah. Even if, he, even if he isn't used that often, he's still used and he's still part of it. It'd just be a shame. I was so excited when I saw him get traded to the Patriots. I was, oh, man, this is great. This guy's an awesome player. Got him for. Yeah, got it for a bag of balls. Oh yeah, absolutely, incredible value, and it just doesn't seem to be working. Unfortunately, I think I think the advantage is is there's plenty of teams that could use him. Seattle would take him back. I think Pete Carroll would love to have him. Sure. Um, Name your name your ex Patriot coach, Bill O'Brien down in, in Houston. I mean, I know Houston just giving away first round picks. Right. So I think they could get something out of him because. What did they do in this offseason? Oh, they traded one of the most prolific pass rushers in Jadavian Clowney. And what have they done? I mean, they're 4 and 2, I think, but their defense still needs some extra work. You can can fit in there. The Detroit Lions need some help in pass rushing. They ain't doing nothing on the pass rush. And you know, Matt Patricia would probably take him and try to fit him into his scheme. I don't know. I don't know what kind of scheme they're running in, in Detroit, but I'm sure he could fit a pass rusher of his ilk. Pair him with Trey Flowers and Harrison. Raiders. Raiders would take him because you know. I mean, John Gruden's always John saying. Gruden take I him. mean, he shipped off Cleo Mack and then complained there was no pass rush. Right. So I mean. And they still don't have a pass rush, in our opinion, with the one exception of last Thursday. What? It's not our opinion. Numbers don't lie. That's true. Speaking of trading. We had some trades happen today. Wait, right as we went to record this. Like we, so we were going to discuss Marcus Peters' trade um, in length, and we were going to discuss some scenarios that might happen. Uh, you brought up a scenario that potentially could happen, and just before we're going to start recording, we get a message that says Jalen Ramsey has been traded. To the L.A. Rams. I was so close to having a good guess. A really, really good guess. But recorded about an hour too late. So I can't claim that one because there's no audio proof. So That's okay. So <clears throat> we'll start with Marcus Peters got traded to Baltimore. For linebacker Kenny Young and an undisclosed pick so far. Now, that secondary is going to be nasty. Yeah. <laughs> Ridiculous. Uh so initially, you look at it and you're like, okay, well, the Cubs leave went on an hour for the Rams. So you're going to trade Marcus Peters. So what is LA doing? Question mark. Because at that current moment, when they traded Marcus Peters, 
They had no viable cornerback in their system. They had they had a good nickel corner, who they think is probably one of the best, and that nickel corner thinks he's one of the best. Um, but as far as outside of that, they don't have a whole lot. And then you look at the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, they don't have Jimmy Smith. He's been out yeah, about the entire season so far. They put their nickelback um, Young on IR, so they don't have him, and they have high hopes for him. They got these two uh, guys, Maurice Candy and Anthony Everett, who aren't playing well. They have uh, Marlon Humphrey, who they drafted two years ago, who is playing really good, all poor level, but apparently every team is passing to the other side of the field, which would be a problem. Which is really good strategy. Oh, it's a great I mean, strategy. If there's someone you don't want to throw it towards and you can throw to the other side of the field, just do that. I mean, every team that faces New England should try that because they seem to not want to not go to, towards Stefan Gilmore. Well, wait. I mean, if they played the Jaguars, they'd have to do the same thing to stay with Jalen Ramsey, right? Incorrect. Why? Isn't Jalen Ramsey on the Jaguars? Incorrect. What? What did I miss? He got traded to the L.A. Rams. Oh, my goodness. For and, what? And they got a nice little haul. Yeah. Two firsts and a 2021 fourth. Two firsts for anybody. Man, that is that is. Uh, apparently, absurd. we are in a different time zone because yeah. defensive players are just getting tossed around for multiple, pick, multiple picks. Multiple first-round picks, mind you. Like, to... To the point where a few years ago when Jimmy G got traded for a second-round pick, yeah, that really stings even more now because Jalen Ramsey got traded for two ones. <laughs> the only offensive player to get traded for anything close to that was an offensive lineman. Laramie Tunsil. Yeah. And he got – Miami got <clears throat> quite a bit for him. So I see what L.A. is doing. They want to stand out corner. Yeah, I don't get it's it. It's not going to make a difference. I don't get it. You're, <laughs> you're not going to make a difference. And I don't – they made it fit in the, the cap structure this year. Now, I'd have to do a deep dive to look into next year's to see if it – first off, what his projected market value is. And then second, do they have the money? Because they handed out a nice contract to one Mr. Jared Goff. And the season before that, Aaron Donald. And the season before that – Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley, who they're still paying, despite the fact he's not the same player he was when he signed that contract. It won't. It won't be easy for them until that that that, that um bonus that guaranteed money is not getting paid out anymore. Uh, they're paying Robert Woods some money, not great. They they paid Brandon Cooks as soon as the Patriots traded to him. They paid him. I had to look and see when the guaranteed money stops. Uh, they're going to have to pay Cooper Cup. Going to pay Cooper Cup a lot. They're going to have to pay some offensive linemen because they need to keep something. They need to keep uh, their investment safe. Jared Goff upright. There's a lot there, and I don't see where the money is now. Every team can make the money work. Yeah, it's funny how it works, and it's really all about the guaranteed money because you can move around the cap money, extend contracts, and move the guaranteed money to restructure. Yeah. You can do that, but there's only so much you can do. And plus, you need the cooperation of the players to do such a thing. Do you think Todd Gurley is going to do something like that? He's going to want his money. You know, you 
before we started recording this, I asked you, I said, why would the Rams do that? And I think you misunderstood me. Why would they trade uh, Marcus Peters? Right. That wasn't my question. I get that. If they're just trying to ship off assets, right. maybe to get draft picks, maybe to get rid of cap, right. whatever, I get that. They clearly traded him away right. to make cap room. They did. So they could trade for Jalen Ramsey. Correct. So with all the contracts you just mentioned and the ones that are going to be forthcoming, right. the Cooper Cup is going to demand a lot of money. He is going to get top five, ten wide receiver money. Whether you think he is that or not, that's what he's going to get. Yeah, he is. And if that's what the Rams, where's that money? I mean, how? How are they going to be able to do that with their cap? Jalen Ramsey's contract is up after next season. So I, it might be an option year next year. I believe it is. But after that, they're going to have to pay him. And this guy has already said he will not take a discount. He wants to be the highest paid player what did he show at up his to, position. What did he show up to um, training camp in? Oh, he showed up in a Brinks truck. Oh, yeah. He exited out the back with someone announcing that he, he wants to get paid. Yeah. So Jalen has his fifth-year option already picked up by the Jacksonville, Jacksonville uh, Jaguars. So I assume that would just carry over to LA. It carries over to LA. Yeah. Um, there's no bonus money anymore, uh, so it's base, It's just base money. But there's no. to me, there's just no logic there. You trade away Peterson. Right. And two first-round picks. Right. To get a guy you're not going to be able to afford, or if you can afford him, it's to the detriment of other important positions on your team. You already have Peterson. Peterson's not going to command the kind of money Jalen Ramsey is. He's a fine cornerback. He's going to fit in great in that Baltimore system. But he is not Jalen Ramsey. No, he's not. Jalen Ramsey is one of the fewer, few pure shutdown corners who can go man-to-man with somebody and just shut them down. Gilmore, Stephon Gilmore, Jalen Ramsey, Patrick Peterson. Patrick Peterson's on the downside, too. He's on the downside, but, I mean, he's still done it. Yeah. Uh, you think you think Lattimore? I would say Marshawn is in, the, is, in that, is in that category? Yes, I would say he's on With the Saints? Yeah. Anybody I'm forgetting? Off the top of my head, just thinking about it, um, I can't think of anybody. I mean, Casey Hayward, he's pretty damn good. Um, is he at their level, though? Uh, he's just... I don't want to say notch below, but if you're going to make a top, if you're going to make a top, he's probably at the bottom of the top five. Bottom of the top? Okay. Top ten. Yeah. Um, Tredavious White with um, Buffalo, he's on the uprise. It's another Buffalo Bill cornerback that as soon as his contract's up, guess where he's going to go? Yeah. Elsewhere. Um, Josh Norman's on the downside of his probably career. Probably Jacksonville will need a cornerback. Um, I just thinking off the top of my head. Um, I would think Marcus Peters is on the downside of his career too. Um, so Marcus Peters this is his third season. I think he's on the downside. Oh, okay. And that could just be the way the Rams are running. Yeah, it must it must be the way they're using. Cause... I mean, let's see what he does in um, Baltimore. Uh, might be his fourth season actually because he was drafted in twenty fifteen. So we can see what he does in Baltimore. Yeah, um, maybe that'll revitalize his career. I just think he's on the downside. Jimmy well, Smith, Ed Reed, and Terrell Suggs and Ray Lewis played for about 150 years each. True. So whatever's in the water in Baltimore it helps extend be, a uh, member of the secondary's career. It could just be how they're using him, honestly. Um, probably. Which is probably why they felt he was expendable. I just don't see the logic in giving away the picks and the money. 
It doesn't make sense. It really doesn't. Uh, I'll do, I'll do dive into the contracts and see if the money comes forward. Uh, look at the dead contracts. Um, there's not a whole lot in dead cap for them. They do have um, their biggest hit is um, Mark Barron. Then I'll have to see when that money comes off. And the next one is Marcus Peters, who they just traded. So realistically, if they get out of their dead cap, they might be able to make it work. But I think somehow they're going to try to get out of that Todd Gurley contract. On that note, uh, speaking of money and paying, Oof. whose payroll were the officials on for that Monday Night Football debacle last night? So we can debate this. That was ridiculous. You could say Green Bay. You could say Las Vegas. But I think they were, they were terrible calls. They were ridiculous. Terrible, terrible calls. And Would I agree with Booger McFarland? I know. That's saying something. That's a statement. Twice and one, twice. Because sometimes you can't understand what he's saying. But no, those officials made me agree with Booger McFarland twice in one evening. And and for tra- that, I can never forgive them. That's a travesty. Uh, I just don't. I just don't understand. Because you have people throughout the today to, trying to coach through the rule books on. Yeah, it was actually. If you go by the rule book, it kind of is. No, it's not. No. Your face is your face. Your shoulder is your shoulder. Oh, the debate they're making is because <laughs> in the rule book, it's anything neck or face. It's like he was grabbing his shoulder pad, and and he the the offensive lineman Bakhtiara kind of played it up for the official. And good for him. That's his job. That's what he's supposed to do. But if you look at that clip, and and Trey Flowers won't do this, but if you look at the clip. There was an illegal hand to the face a few seconds earlier on Bakhtiara. Yes. And the, and the significance of those is both of those plays resulted in points. Not only that, but that was third down. Yeah. Both of those complete garbage calls against Trey Flowers for illegal hands to the face were third downs, big third downs, that Green Bay then got second life and went down the field right. and scored. Now, I will say this much. It is still Detroit's job to stop Green Bay from scoring, regardless. They can't put on a pouty face right. and say, Oh, we got you know, we got screwed over by the officials, so we let them score. That's why they lost. No, you still let them go down the field and score. I'm not trying to be anti Green Bay. I'm not trying to want anybody to think I'm coming out here trying to jump on the I know I made the joke about the officials being paid off. I'm just joking around there. Maybe. But I just don't understand. And the official is right there. You can see him in not the just camera the, shot. You can see him in the camera shot. He's looking right at him. And it's not just the official. It's the head official. Yeah. With the white cap staring right at them. And he didn't. And he. I don't understand it. I just don't. It wasn't even super slow motion. You could just see Trey Flowers. It wasn't even holding by Trey Flowers. That's the thing. If you're going to say maybe holding, because oh, someone if it was, tried to make that. Debate maybe too. if it was maybe holding, if it was on the outside of the shoulder pads, but it wasn't. But it wasn't. It was inside the shoulder pads. The jersey came loose, and it made it look like he was like like pull, he was like pulling up on it. But there's nothing illegal there, and nothing. And, and if you're Detroit, you got to score touchdowns, not field goals. So they needed to do. They should have done that earlier in the game. They should have put away. 
They should have had a 21-3 lead, a 24-3 lead going into the half. They didn't. But that third and 14 on the first flag against Trey Flowers, they had a sack. They were done. They were going to punt. I guarantee because they weren't going to go for a third and 20 or fourth and 20 at that point. No. And give Detroit potentially excellent field position for them to score again. That was going to be a punt guaranteed. And nope. And then the other one, if they don't call that, Packers are kicking a field goal, and they have to kick the ball off. And they got—they're going to have like Detroit's going to have like a minute. I'll be conservative. A minute fifteen, minute ten left. You don't think Stafford can drive them down in field goal range with Matt Prater as their kicker, who can kick, can launch balls, and was launching them all game long. He hit, well, he hit three fifty plus yards, two fifty plus yards. Yeah, he was he was phenomenal last night. So I just I just can't. I'm not even getting to the pass interference earlier. Because I think that one's debatable. Um, the pass interference that should that potentially could have been called on the Packers that wasn't. You can debate that. Well, Whether no, that was called. That, that should have been called on Detroit against Green Bay. Right. Yeah. So I, I Detroit got away with one there. I think we're talking about two different ones. It might be because I think there was a, there was a play to uh, Marvin Jones on the sideline where the defender grazed his front with his. I want to say the left arm, and some. Oh deba- yeah, yeah, no, I thought, Some debate yeah. on whether or not he turned him. I think, I think that one's one you let go because I don't think it affected him. I think it, the pass itself made it difficult for Marvin Jones to get. I just think, I think it just, it's a bad, bad look. And I get the point they're trying to hammer in uh, offensive or any any. Hands of the face. They're trying to enforce offensive pass interference, defensive pass interference. They're hammering in this point for offensive illegal block, crackback blocks. You guys got to let this game go. Yeah, let you the players let play. let it breathe. Let, like, we don't want to see what happened to the Saints again that happened last year. Yeah, no, definitely not. To any team. Yeah. But this is getting out of hand. You having officials deciding games instead of players deciding games. And I don't like that. I'm not a Green Bay fan. I'm not a Detroit fan. I have no love for them. I have no hate for them. I'm an NFL football fan. I wanted to watch a good game. And for the most part, last night was a very good game. I agree. And at, at the end of the day, no excuses. Detroit has to score touchdowns, not field goals. They know that. They had no problem marching down the field, but they couldn't punch it in when the time came. Right. That's on them. That's not on the pack. Well, it is. That's because of the Packers, but that's what they're supposed to do. Right. So, not trying to give Detroit a cop out. Packers won that game. Good for them. But the officiating, man, all around the league, in all around the league, just has to get better. And these guys want to be considered full-time employees. And, and I understand the sometimes the competition committee is pressuring them to do stuff that is almost unrefereable, if that's a word. Uh, but you have to do your job. And you have to, if, if, if there's a foul, call the foul. If there's any dispute on the foul, maybe you shouldn't call it. Absolutely and, right. And, and to Bill Belichick's point, everything should be reviewable or everything shouldn't be reviewable. Go one way or the other. Don't sit there 
and say, oh, well, we can't review it because it's not reviewable. What do you mean it's not reviewable? Imagine if that play was reviewable last night. One of those uh, face hands to the face. That thing would have got turned down real quick. But we want to make sure that pass interference is reviewable, even though I think it's like three have been overturned. I just don't – and I'm, when I mean overturned, I mean it, either there was P.I. called and it was rescinded or there was no P.I. called and it, and it was called. Only three times has that happened. Yeah, it's not really making a huge difference, honestly. I just want to see good games each week. Yes. In the offseason, competition committee needs to sit down and say, look, guys, we understand. First off, make, make them full-time, make them full-time officials so they have 100% buy-in and sit down with the competition committee, coaches, get a representative from, I don't because I don't, Al, Alberto Riveron is, my opinion, he's like up there with Commissioner Goodell. They're overseers. You need a representative. Like every every team has a player union rep. Have a referee rep and say, look, this is what's possible. This is what's not. And I get Alberto Riveron was a, a referee for a long time. But I, I t- take him out of the factor because he is – he is the one that's kind of deciding a lot of these ter- the uh, reviews. And you almost think he has too much, I'm going to defend these referees, so I'm going to try to uphold as much as I can. And, and well, I'm, at the end of the day, I mean, I certain, like certain reviews aren't their choice. I mean, every sworn play is reviewed, every turnover yeah. is reviewed. So yeah. I just think stop trying to stop trying to control and micromanage everything so much. What happened in the Saints last year was garbage. That right. was, it was a bad call, and I can totally understand their fans not being able to let that go because I think if it was my team, I wouldn't be able to either. And they, they had a lawsuit in court, so no, they wouldn't let it go. Yeah, but re- regardless of that, I just don't think – I want to see good games where the players decide the game on right. the field. That's it. With that, we are going to wrap up Episode 2. Hope you enjoyed it. Let us know, and uh, we uh, – we, Look forward to hearing from each and every one of you. And uh, Ben, tell me to do that. Well, we'd like to hear from you on our Facebook twi- our Facebook page. That's Ben and Chris Talk Football. Uh, just got to like it and you'll be part of the community. We are on Twitter uh, at BenChrisFO1. And you can email us at BenAndChrisTalkFootball at gmail.com. See you guys next time for Banker Tank and our new segment. Have a good one, guys.